You are listening to Mountain Bike Radio. Hey there, this is James Wilson with MTB Strength Training System and BikeJames.com. Welcome to another edition of the MTB Strength Coach Podcast. This is the second in my five essential elements of mountain bike training overview. And this one, I'm going over strength training. So if you missed my first one on flexibility training, then you definitely want to make sure that you go back and catch that one. But uh, this one, we're going to look at strength training. We're going to, uh, you know, look at what is strength training. Going to, you know, go over the benefits of strength training, particularly in how it can directly improve your endurance in a way that a lot of people don't necessarily uh, think about. But again, uh, just shows you how essential strength training is for us as endurance athletes and mountain bikers. And then finally, I'm going to go over some tips and strategies for you and really going to dive into how I, uh, you know, create workouts and, and, you know, some basic periodization schemes for you to use and things like that. So a lot of great tips and techniques for you that I'm going to cover there and give you a really good idea of how you can use strength training again, especially during the off season, because this is the time of year when things like flexibility training and strength training should be prioritized because you're trying to build your base in those areas. Because when you switch over to the more specific stuff, then you need that base to support your uh, increases in performance and also to support your performance through the season. So the stronger that base is, the better you're going to be able to perform and find yourself not fading towards the end of the year. So getting into it, uh, strength training. What is strength training? There's a lot of different things that uh, fall under that moniker. Uh, strength training, by my definition, the way that I look at strength training, it is your ability to create tension within a given movement pattern. So strength does not have anything to do necessarily with how much weight you lift. For an athlete, for us as mountain bikers, it has more to do with how you are creating that movement. And so, for example, a deadlift, you know, you may be able to use or lift more weight by rounding your back or, you know, using your uh, quads a little bit more or, you know, some sort of uh, technique that may momentarily allow you to lift more weight off of the ground. But as riders, we're wanting to practice a very specific movement pattern. We're wanting to uh, work on our movement efficiency, which I talked about with flexibility, how that's our foundation for that movement efficiency. Now, strength training is our, our chance to take that flexibility that we have and start turning it into a controlled uh, asset, something that we were, you know, uh, uh, you know, mobility training where we're working on just our ability to create the movement and then strength training where we're working on our ability to, uh, you know, add tension to that movement while maintaining the movement quality. So there's definitely, uh, in order that you want to do it, you want to develop good, high quality movement first. And which again is where mobility training comes in. And if you're struggling there, then you probably have some flexibility restrictions that you need to address. But we want to develop the high quality movement first. And then we want to work on uh, adding stress to that movement while maintaining it. So we're stress proofing that, 
um, movements. So that's for me what we're trying to accomplish with strength training. So strength is very definitely a skill. It is literally your body's ability to make most efficient use of leverage of the, the muscles that, you know, muscle fibers and stuff that you have available to it. You know, all of those things in a coordinated fashion in order to create the most tension possible, uh, you know, within a movement. And so again, it, it gives us a very good idea of how stress proof our movements are and, um, uh, and a lot of other stuff that I'm going to get into here in a second. So. Now, despite all of this, you have a lot of uh, confusion in the cycling world, uh, which, you know, the mountain biking world is a part of, unfortunately. But uh, anyways, that's a, uh, <laughs> neither here nor there at this point. But the, you know, you have very conflicting and confusing advice being given to us as to how, you know, as just strength training in general, like what, you know, is it even helpful? And so on one extreme, you have those who say that strength training is not important, that there's no proof that, that getting stronger increases your performance on the trail or on the bike. And, you know, some people go so far as to say that it can actually decrease your performance. And, you know, that, you know, even though the old muscle bound myth isn't quite as prevalent as it used to be, you still get some people who claim that or, you know, for various other reasons say that it can actually slow you down, you know, because the muscular contractions during strength training are, are not the, the exact same as what you're looking for when pedaling your bike. And so, uh, again, there's, um, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, reasons that are thrown out there for why strength training isn't important, why you don't need to do it. But then you have the other extreme. Then you have the people who tell you that strength training is like one of the most important things you can possibly do as a rider and that you need to focus a lot of your time and energy on strength training and, and getting stronger in the gym. And that, and some, you know, go so far as to say that, you know, you need to spend almost more time and energy trying to, to build a better mountain biker in the gym than you actually spend on the trail. So, you know, you have these two very conflicting extreme, uh, views of, of strength training and how to use it as a rider. So which is it? You know, do we need to avoid it or is it something that we need to focus uh, a bulk of our time and energy on? You know, what are the advantages for us? Like, why do we want to use it? And, you know, uh, how do we make the best use of it? So again, that's what I want to cover in, in this podcast. So, uh, first up, the first myth that I want to address is, you know, does strength training improve our performance? And so, you know, again, there's, there's a lot of different uh, reasons thrown out there. What I've found uh, a lot like with the flexibility training is that usually when someone's throwing around reasons that you don't need to strength train and that it's not important uh, as a cyclist or as, as a mountain biker in particular, they're usually trying to make an excuse for their own behavior. They don't want to strength train. And so they find all sorts of, of uh, reasons that they shouldn't strength train to kind of reinforce their uh, their uh, mindset, their behavior, the decision that they made. So it's just kind of human nature. But um, the reality is, is there's, you know, there's no proof that it doesn't uh, improve our performance. And in fact, there's actually quite a bit of, you know, new science coming out that shows that strength training does improve performance of endurance athletes and cyclists and, and stuff like that. So again, you know, a lot of times that's kind of based on an outdated view of things and not being up to date with, uh, you know, some of the current research out there. But, uh, you know, again, you, you always have to look at the, 
um, limitations of research and that what they're able to study. And there's a lot of things that go on on the trail that you can't measure in a lab. And especially with mountain biking, um, there's a definitely a very high degree of upper body strength that you need, core strength, um, because we are turning over, we have to turn over lower RPM, uh, pedal cranks, you know, we can't maintain 90 to 100 plus RPM. So that requires more muscular strength than someone who's able to just kind of spin a high RPM all the time. Uh, so again, it's kind of an apples to oranges comparison. A lot of times when you're looking at road cyclists versus uh, mountain bikers and the benefits that they'll gain from strength training. But uh, again, it's, it, there's, you know, it's one of those arguments that doesn't hold water when you when you really look at the at the science that's out there, plus just the the anecdotal evidence that a lot of riders have found that strength training has helped them, especially when done right. So let's look at the other extreme. How much time and energy should you devote to strength training? And again, this is another uh, um, kind of interesting thing to look at. And and this was uh, pointed out to me at a seminar, an Ian King seminar I went to. A while back and, and he was pointing out how, um, you know, through up through the, the eighties and nineties that strength training was a very secondary thing that you, uh, practiced your sport, that that was what you did. You spent the vast majority of your time and energy practicing your sport and strength training was a secondary thing that you did to, uh, um, to support that. Now, one of the problems is, is that a lot of times it got relegated to such a secondary role that it was in, and de-emphasized so much that that started to become a detriment that you had athletes who either didn't strength train or didn't spend enough time doing the right kind of things to see the benefits of strength training. So in effect, the pendulum was kind of swung too far the other way where strength training wasn't appreciated and emphasize like it could and should be. So what happened was we started to uh, emphasize it more. We started to, you know, uh, get more science coming out showing the benefits of strength training. You know, kind of a new, uh, new breed of, uh, you know, strength coach was was coming along who, uh, you know, better educated and and able to, you know, show these results from getting athletes stronger. So the pendulum really started to swing. The other way until we've ended up with the other extreme where now you're literally trying to build a mountain biker in the gym and you have uh, training programs and workout strategies that require more energy being devoted to the gym than what you're able to devote to riding your bike and, you know, constantly having to, uh, you know, you know, go into rides fatigued or sore from the workouts. But telling yourself that, well, you know, you're getting stronger and that getting stronger is going to make you a better rider. So, uh, again, there's been this uh, extreme swing the other direction where, uh, where, again, you're almost trying to build a rider in the gym and, and devoting more time and energy to that than actually riding your, your bike on the trail. So uh, somewhere in the middle is really where it needs to be. So if you're someone who's never done strength training, well, yes, it's probably one of the most important things that you can add to your program. But if you're one of these riders who's devoting, you know, four or five, you know, days a week to hardcore strength training or, or, you know, strength training based, um, conditioning stuff, I mean, a la CrossFit or something like that, then you're probably too far in the other direction. You probably need to pull it back and spend a little less time and energy in the gym and a little bit more time and energy on the trail. 
So I personally find somewhere between two to three days a week to be a good spot. And again, I'll get into more of it as I, at the end, when I'm talking about how to use strength training as a mountain biker, uh, but as to how I like to use it. But I guess the take home message at this point is that neither extreme is good. That not using strength training at all is, or, or, you know, de-emphasizing it to the point that you're just doing it like one day a week and it's just some like, you know, crappy little program that you got out of a magazine or something like that just so you can say that I'm doing some strength training you know that's not what you want to be doing but you also don't need to be killing yourself in the gym you know four or five days a week uh either so uh somewhere in the middle is where we need to be so moving on benefits of strength training what does it do now strength training it teaches the body to move more efficiently. I've already touched on this a little bit when I was talking about what is strength training. And so flexibility is the foundation for efficient movement. And strength training is where we start turning that into efficient movement. This is where we're going to teach our body to move more efficiently. And so again, like, you know, why do we use more weight? You know, if we, if we're you know, oh, I need more weight to, uh, um, you know, get, get more results. And so you add more weight and it's harder and your body has to learn how to move more efficiently in order to move that weight and make it feel easier. It's going to learn how to recruit more muscle fibers. It's going to learn how to stabilize, uh, you know, a joint a little bit better that wasn't being stabilized like it could be. It's going to, um, you know, learn how to uh, move a little bit better, find a little bit better, uh, a groove for the, or a movement path for the joints involved. You know, all of these things, your body is going to hopefully, if you're using strength training the right way, be working on learning and improving. So at the end of the day, it, it teaches the body to move more efficiently, which again, on the bike, the whole idea is if I move more efficiently, if I'm not, you know, I've, I've got good flexibility, so I'm not fighting myself when I'm moving and I'm moving efficiently. I'm able to create tension in the right muscles, in the right uh, pattern, um, in order to, you know, create the most amount of energy while expending the least amount of energy. That's an ultimate goal for us as a rider because that's going to make our endurance training and, and our riding so much easier if we're not fighting ourselves with inefficient movement and inflexibility stuff. So that's why this stuff is so important for us. But so again, number one is going to teach us to move more efficiently, which is going to directly impact uh, our energy expenditure on the bike. Now, the second thing that's going to do for us is it's going to allow the body to access more motor units. And again, I've kind of touched on this already, but you know, one of the things, if, if you don't know, I'll explain it real quick, but your muscles have a bunch of muscle fibers in them and you recruit as many muscle fibers as you need to, uh, uh, to, uh, complete the, the task at hand. So for example, if we're talking about the bicep and you reach down and you grab a fork and you pick it up, you're only going to recruit a very small amount of muscle fibers. If you reach down and you grab a 30, 40 pound dumbbell and you pick it up and curl it up, then you're going to recruit way more muscle fibers. A lot more muscle fibers are going to come into play. So if you use the same amount of muscle fibers, when you picked up the fork, as you did when you picked up the heavy dumbbell, you would have stabbed yourself in the face. So your body, it, it, it selectively recruits muscle fibers based on the demands of the task. So when you get stronger, 
one of the things that your body learns how to do is recruit and access more motor units. So for example, if you've heard the story of the mom who was able to lift the car off of their kid that was pinned underneath it, you know, we've all heard some version of this story and, and, and it's true. I mean, you know, the, uh, there are a lot of instances of people obtaining superhuman strength in order to help a loved one or in some sort of like distress situation. So, you know, how is this person able to exert this superhuman strength? Well, you have that potential all of the time. You have the muscle fibers and, and the muscle there to do it. Your body just has a governor set. It regulates how many of those muscle fibers you're able to access because you would literally tear yourself apart if you were able to access all of your muscle fibers that you, that you have. So they're there for reserve emergency purposes. But again, the governor set very conservatively. We can move that up and access a lot more muscle fibers than we just kind of naturally can without strength training. And again, be perfectly safe and all that stuff. But that's one of the, the benefits. Now, one of the things that a lot of people don't think about, we know that we have fast twitch, we have slow twitch muscle fibers, but one of the things that our body does during an endurance event is it will actually cycle through muscle fibers. So you will start to use some of your high twitch or your fast twitch muscle fibers, these high threshold motor units as they're called, to, um, they'll turn on in order to allow some of the other muscle fibers to shut off and relax and, and rest and get a rest. And then they'll turn back on and then they'll shut off. And you will literally cycle through these different types of muscle fibers during your, in your, uh, event, during your, your endurance, um, event. So, you know, riding your bike, uh, pedaling your bike, you're going to have this happening. Now, the more motor units that you can access, the more motor units that your body will be able to cycle through when you're doing both your speed and power training and your endurance training and you're on your bike riding. So again, strength training is so important for these other things because it increases the pool of motor units that your body can access and start using for the speed and power and endurance training purposes. So if you don't strength train, you're not going to have access to as many of these motor units and you're going to make it harder uh, for you to get as much as you could out of these other kinds of training. So, uh, and lastly, much like flexibility training, it is one of the best ways to prevent overuse injuries because, uh, you know, the more efficient your movement is, the less wear and tear you're putting on your joints. And so, um, and again, as, you know, riders, as mountain bikers, we're putting a lot of stress on the same muscles over and over and over again. So just like flexibility training is one of the only ways that we can decrease stress in those muscles, strength training is one of the only ways that we can increase some stress or increase the, the, the tension in the opposing muscles. And again, a way to help restore balance around specific joints is, you know, some muscles get inhibited and turned off and weakened, uh, while others get shortened and are, are chronically tight. And so, uh, we, you know, strength training allows us to address those movement issues, those overuse injuries that uh, sometimes pop up when we have uh, really big strength imbalances like that between muscles around a joint. So uh, again, you know, in, you know, overuse injuries are one of those things, it, you know, over the course of a riding career, if you're able to avoid one or two of them, which means that you're, you're able to keep riding and keep training while someone else would have to take time off, um, over the course of a riding career, 
that will add up. Like you will be a better rider over time because you've missed less time, missed less riding and missed less training time due to these overuse injuries. So again, this is one of those things that you can't quantify in a lab. I was talking about earlier, like does strength training improve our performance? And it's like, you know, it's impact on overuse injuries over the course of a riding career is extremely hard for, you know, for you to measure with a traditional uh, study. And so it's, you know, one of those things that's not looked at, but it, it, it's, it does impact you. It is there. So it is uh, one of those reasons it's, it's, it is important. So there you go. Moving on to the last part here, we're going to look at how to use strength training as a mountain biker. Now, Strength training is, like I mentioned earlier, we're not trying to build a mountain biker in the gym. That's not the, the purpose of strength training. What we're trying to do is train our basic human movements and look at filling in gaps. So with, you know, the basic human movements, uh, depending upon who you talk to, it can be anywhere between like five to seven different things you can do, but you've got push, you've got pull, you've got hip dominant or hinging, You've got quad dominant or squatting, and then you've got uh, um, rotation or resisting rotation. And again, you can add, you know, lunging, um, you know, d- divide pushing and pulling into vertical and horizontal pushing and pulling. So it doesn't matter, you know, necessarily how you're looking at it, uh, the specifics. The basic take home message is, is that you need to have the basic human movements covered in your training program. And be looking at filling in gaps. So where your weak links are in the human movement, basic human movements, are where your gaps are. So, for example, if you uh, are, are a poor squatter, and again, when I say squatting, I'm not talking about how much weight do you lift. I'm talking about the quality of your squat pattern first and foremost. So when I say struggle with squatting, what I mean is not that your squat poundage is stuck somewhere, I mean that you struggle to create an efficient, uh, effective squatting pattern easily. Uh, you know, that's what I'm looking for. And then we start to add load to it and see what it looks like. But if you're, if you're struggling with that, that's, that's a gap for you. So you need to be focusing on filling in that gap. And so again, you don't know what those gaps are if you don't have some way to uh, check the gaps. Um, and again, having some sort of, uh, exercise that covers those. Oh, another one that I'll throw out there is a uh, loaded carries. This is one that, um, Dan John is a real big proponent of. And I, I definitely agree with, and then, you know, loaded carries, just grabbing something and, uh, and, and, you know, walking with it. You got a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, farmer's walks, you can hold the weight overhead. You can hold it in the rack position, uh, you know, one-sided misload. It's a lot of different ways to do that, but, um, that, that, you know, locomotion, walking, um, you know, loaded carries is a, is a good basic human movement pattern that you should be having in there. So, you know, that's strength training doesn't need to be complex. It can be simple, but again, simple doesn't mean easy. So a simple program that focuses on the basic human movement patterns and has you prioritizing your gaps is going to do way more for you than a super fancy, you know, quote unquote, sports specific program. Like I'll be totally honest with you. I don't really believe in a, uh, you know, sports specific strength training program. I believe in a, uh, in a, in a person specific program within the context of their sport. So within 
the sport of mountain biking, there are certain movements and things that, you know, we need to have a good command of that become a little bit more important than others. But the main thing is looking at what is someone's particular gap. So if I have the same rider and one person struggling with their, their hip hinge or their deadlift and one person struggling with their squat, well, you know, it doesn't matter that they're both, you know, enduro racers or, or something like that. Like they're, they're going to get something a little bit different based on what their, their particular gaps are. So, um, you know, just simple stuff focusing on, on, uh, covering those basic human movements and then filling in the gaps that you have is extremely important. So then that's, we're just having a plan for filling those gaps. in. again, if you have a gap in a movement, which means that you struggle with, with it on some level, you may have to go back and look at the flexibility stuff and make sure that you're, you have, you don't have some sort of flexibility restriction that's holding you back. If that's good, then look at the mobility based stuff, just kind of the body weight, you know, movement based, uh, stuff and, and make sure that you can do that. And then you start adding load to that. So there's a progression for how to work on this stuff and fill in the gaps. So the next thing that you want to be, uh, doing is focus on improving your 80% efforts instead of constantly hammering your 100% efforts. And this is a, a concept that if you, you know, there's, if you're always hammering your ceiling, you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to, you're going to break yourself down. So, but if you're right at that 80% mark and, you know, every once in a while we're going to that hundred percent, but what we're looking is we're trying to raise that 80% effort mark. You know, what, what you're, you when that number goes up is, is that effort starts to go up, it will push the hundred percent up with it. So what this means is, is you don't have to kill yourself in the gym every time you go into the gym. In fact, you should very rarely kill yourself in the gym when you go into there to train. You know, what I recommend people do is with their training program, uh, I recommend a, a, a stepped intensity throughout the thing. So if you have a four week, program, your first week should be easy. You should walk out of the gym knowing I can do more. You know, you're, you're, you're getting your, your exercises kind of finding your weights, but man, you want to err on the side of doing too little. You want to walk out of there chomping at the bit, knowing you could have done more. Week two, you're going to go in and you're going to train pretty hard, but you're going to leave a little bit in the tank, leave a, a rep or two in the tank. You're going to walk out of there going, all right, that was a good workout, but you know, I know I could do more. I definitely could do a little bit more. Week three, you're going to go in. This is it. This is when you're going to go hard. You're going to, uh, you know, this is if I don't ever recommend missing reps, but if you are going to miss a rep or, or go to failure, then this is the, the week that you do it. But I, I'm mainly looking for as soon as you feel yourself losing that technical failure, you're losing that efficiency. That's what we're looking for. Um, so that's why I don't like missed reps because usually you've blown past that technical failure by the time you actually start missing reps and hitting muscular failure, uh, which is not what we're necessarily looking for. Um, but the, the point is, is week three is when you're going to go in and you're going to work hard and you're going to walk out of there and you're going to know, man, that was a, that was a hard workout. I don't think I could have put anything else into that. You know, that was it. And then week four, you actually step back. You uh, do one of two things. You're either going to cut the weight back a little bit or cut the volume back a little bit or maybe do both, you know, so maybe do 60% of the volume that you did. So if you're doing, uh, you know, sets of five, then do sets of three uh, um, or, you know, cut the, you know, and or cut the weight back a little bit. But the idea is that you're going to back off and, and allow the body to recover from that hard week three and then you're going to just repeat the process uh, next time through. So 
what that does is it puts the emphasis on more on increasing that 80% effort. You're just trying to increase that, you know, what feels, uh, um, you know, it's hard, but it's not like overly hard. Like as that effort goes up, then like your, your hundred percent effort will go up. So, uh, again, just don't kill yourself every time that you go into the gym. Uh, the next thing that you need to do is make sure you're not turning strength training into cardio training. And this is a, a huge mistake that people make with their strength training is, uh, doing this. And, and they do this by, uh, using too short of rest periods between exercises, you know, pairing way too many exercises up together and just basically trying to feel like if I'm not breathing hard, then I'm not working hard. And so, you know, that becomes the goal of training and which is not the goal of strength training. So with strength training, uh, I recommend, you know, two, maybe three exercises paired together. Uh, I really like to just stick with two exercises paired together. Um, and I, I use breathing as my rest protocol. So I tell people to, uh, wait until you stop panting and then you can do your next exercise. Uh, that will do two things for you. One, it will get you focused on your breathing, which is an important part of training in general. And two, it will customize the, the rest length. As you get fitter, your rest length will get shorter because you're, you'll be able to recover, uh, quicker. So, uh, you're just looking to get to the point where you're not panting. Then you know that you've kind of dropped below that anaerobic uh, state and you're not going into your next strength training exercise or set pre-fatigued from the previous one. That's not the point of strength training. We want maximum efficiency uh, with strength training and it's hard to do that if you're already pre-fatigued. So that's why we want to use strength training as something different. So finally, uh, periodization is, is a big fancy word, uh, basically means a plan. And uh, a basic periodization scheme that you can use to, you know, uh, kind of give you a basic uh, template or whatever if you want for your for your workouts. Um, I like to follow a basic one where we work on uh, volume, then we work on intensity, and then we work on power. And there's nothing groundbreaking there. It's a pretty basic uh, periodization scheme. So with volume, we're looking to um, you know, just do that. We're, we're looking to get a relatively high number of reps in, uh, with the exercises. And with this, we're, we're building uh, technical proficiency. We're building some, uh, strength endurance. We're building some, uh, joint strength. So the, the higher, uh, um, you know, the higher volume stuff, this doesn't necessarily mean higher reps. I'll explain that here in a second, but the higher volume stuff kind of sets us up, uh, for, um, some strength and some power gains. So, what I like to do with this, like I said, this doesn't necessarily mean that this is going to be high reps. So I like to use rep ladders and rep ladders are where you're going to use a weight, uh, maintain the weight and cycle through, um, through reps. So for example, you take a weight that you could do for seven reps and you're going to do your first set with uh, two reps and then your second set with three and then your last set with five. And that totals up to, uh, 10 reps right there. And then you can repeat that sequence doing the two, three, five, uh, you know, do it, uh, you know, one or two more times for, you know, doing it, uh, two to three times total, which will give you 20 to 30 reps. Um, again, in this way with the rep ladders, you're able to use a good intensity level still, you know, instead of doing three sets of 10, uh, doing it this way will allow you to use more weight. And remember, because one of the main things we're trying to do is 
teach the body how to access more motor units, that higher weight will recruit more motor units. And so we're continually exposing them to, uh, to the tension and to work. And so it will start to improve their, uh, their endurance, um, as well. So that's one of the reasons that the, the higher volume phases, uh, work. It, 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 you know, kind of teaches those, uh, those motor units, uh, conditions them a little bit, uh, for us. So the next one is a, a strength phase or an intensity phase. And this is where we're going to work more on increasing the amount of weight that we're lifting. And a real basic scheme with this is, uh, to do a set of five, add a little bit of weight, do a set of three, add a little bit of weight and do a set of two. So again, pretty simple, but you're just building yourself up to a good heavy double. Again, you're, you know, following that intensity progression that I outlined earlier, you know, week one, easy week two, uh, you know, moderately hard week three hard. So you're not, you know, looking to miss reps and go crazy with this. But this will allow you to uh, slowly nudge up that double and which will increase your strength, you know, increase the intensity. And again, as you're doing this, you're going to be uh, increasing the amount of motor units that your body can recruit. So as your strength levels increase, then you're able to recruit more motor units, which again will uh, improve the motor unit pool that you can use for your speed, power, and endurance training. And then finally, power, your ability to... Uh, you know, recruit the muscle fibers quickly, which again is something is really important for us as athletes, as mountain bikers. And so for this, something simple that you can use is a complex circuit where you pair up a, a regular strength exercise with a power exercise. So for example, uh, doing a, a set of five on the bench press and then immediately doing a, uh, you know, set of, uh, clapping pushups or explosive pushups. Um, or, or medicine ball throws or something that uses the same movement pattern, but in a more explosive manner. So these complex circuits work really well because the strength training exercise, you know, recruits those motor units, kind of gets them, uh, uh, pre, pre fired up, if you will. And then when you do the power training, because they're already, you know, uh, fired up and excited a little bit from the strength training, you're able to recruit uh, a, a few more motor units when you're doing your power training. So again, it, it allows you to uh, train those motor units to do what we want, which is to create uh, power and, and stuff. So, so again, that's just a, a basic way. And you can literally just repeat that, that cycle, you know, the, the, the volume, the intensity and the power, you know, repeating that three phase cycle is a pretty effective plan for you to use. And, and obviously the, the specific, um, exercises that you use are, are going to be governed, you know, uh, governed a lot by your, your specific gaps and things that you need to work on. Um, you know, you can use those just kind of create different, you know, variety and stuff like that. So there's endless ways to use this stuff. And again, the, the rep ladders, the, the five, three, two and the complex circuits that I mentioned, you know, those are, are three very effective methods. But again, those are just, you know, scratching the, the, the surface of the different methods that you can use to, to address the volume, the intensity and the power phases. Um, but the, the basic take home message from that is have some sort of plan and, uh, you know, try and have some, some way to implement that plan, some good, good way to progressively work on, on, uh, working on the different things that you need to, the, the volume, the intensity and the power there. So, uh, so that's it with the, with the periodization scheme. And then, uh, last but not least, the workout template, you know, my workout templates are really simple. I like to start out with a basic core circuit. Um, I like to use the Turkish getup a lot for that, but I'll try and work on, 
uh, you know, a couple core training exercises. Uh, then I'll get into what I call my focus circuit, which are where my, my core, uh, you know, my main exercises of the day are going to be, you know, things like the deadlift, things like the shoulder press, uh, things like the squat, you know, the big, um, high intensity movements, the, you know, uh, the focus circuit is going to have those there. And then finally, I have what I call my secondary circuit, or sometimes I call it my skill circuit, because I like to have exercises that will target the specific skills that you can, uh, can work on. So, um, for example, if you're, you know, having trouble with, uh, with cornering, then having some exercises in there that work on the lateral hip hinge that you need to improve your cornering skills, uh, you know, that's a good spot to put that. But the secondary circuit are kind of the supporting exercises for, uh, both our main exercises and also, uh, any skill stuff that we want to be working on as well. So that's it, you know, basic core circuit. Um, our, our focus circuit and then our secondary or skill circuit. And again, you know, two, three exercises max with any of those circuits. Um, so, you know, just getting a, a, you know, two to three sets in a lot of times, unless you're doing rep ladders and doing your, your higher volume stuff. But uh, again, it's not about doing a lot of stuff. It's about, you know, having a lot of quality, uh, focus on the right things. And so again, focusing on those basic human movements, folks on filling in your gaps, um, you know, things like that are going to really pay off for you. And so again, you know, during the off season, this is a really important time for you to be working on getting stronger because it's hard to get stronger when you're riding a lot and you're doing a lot of specific cardio training. And so, uh, this is the time of year for you to step back from that, focus on getting stronger. And again, that's going to, you know, Again, it's mentioned so many things it does for you. You're going to move more efficiently. You're going to have more motor units to pull from when you start working on your, 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 uh, more specific stuff. So, um, again, it just sets you up for so many good things. So make sure you're, you're using strength training as a part of your program. But again, we don't got to go crazy with it. It needs, needs to support your riding, not detract from it. Cause we're definitely not going to build a better rider in the gym in the long term. Uh, we need to build a better rider on the trail but we need to give you the tools that you need to be that better rider. And strength training is one of the best ways to do that. So, uh, so that's it. That's going to wrap up this one. Definitely a lot of info there. I mean, this is obviously right in my wheelhouse being the MTB strength coach. Uh, you know, strength training is one of those near and dear things to my heart. But again, only because I see how it directly affects so many other things that you do on your bike. Um, and the, the stronger you are, especially if you do it the right way and you're focusing on movement quality, uh, is, is one of the most powerful things that you can do to help you, uh, ride better. And, uh, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So wrapping up this one again, if you got any questions about this, feel free to post them on my blog along with this blog post and, uh, any questions about off season training in general, you can throw them up there. I'm always happy to help out if I can. My next one, I'm going to be going over power training or speed training really uh gets a little confusing there because a lot of times when people hear power training they think of training with a power meter which is not what i'm talking about i'm talking about speed training which is your ability to uh move quickly and quickly recruit your muscles in a highly coordinated manner and so it's that ability to quickly pick up speed uh to power over an obstacle you know things like that it's these 100 percent efforts that for a lot of riders are what they struggle with on the trail. So what I'm going to do is tell you, you know, how you need to be training this stuff so that you can, uh, you know, repeat these efforts on the trail and not have it overly fatigue you. So again, really important one to, uh, 
to uh, tune in for next time. So, uh, yeah, once again, it's been James Wilson with uh, MTB Strength Training Systems. Check me out on the web at bikejames.com, and I'll uh, talk to you next time. Bye.